Hello, and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast paid for by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord community patron. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game, stories, and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Kova. And I'm Kakita Kaori. And today we are going to be discussing balancing between the element rings in the 5th edition of the RPG, Scorpion Clan lore, and using Shinobi and Underworld in your games. Yep. We don't have any news this week. It's been very quiet. No news stories. Uh, at least at least on our side of the world. Yep. So. yep. But um, so uh, in discussing things over the last couple of weeks, I've been uh, seeking out feedback on how to coax players to use more elemental rings. And we've mm. talked about this in a little bit with regards to um, doing it in uh, social interactions and how different demeanors coax people towards different rings but how do you do that overall how do you keep it varied yeah how do do you stop people saying well i'm going to use my water ring because i'm best at watering just they're (laughs) always watering no matter what that's i think that's the yeah that is that is missing out on a big aspect of the system so yeah it's and also i think getting people to really appreciate the differences between the rings (laughs) Right in in fifth edition, they're broad and vague. Um, they do encompass a lot of things, but it's almost like you have to get a, an emotional feel for what each ring does. Yeah. Um, as opposed to this is your dex and this is your strength. Yeah, um, yeah. It, and I struggle with that a bit. <laughs> it can be tough. I mean, it, it. I remember even in fourth edition, the difference between reflexes and agility was kind of. Up in the, but here we've got. I, I think specifically air and water. I, I think are really the tough ones. Void as well, because void is very hand wavy. You kind of mm-hmm. it's it's inscrutability, instinct, mystery, the super. Ooh, you know that kind of. But well, yeah, air. So air. They they say that the approaches for air are precision, stealth, subtlety, trickery detail and emotion Mm. and in my mind emotion ends up being kind of opposite of precision and you know yeah very refined uh focused uh look at things Mm. but um it's it's or yeah it's 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 a very well air is hard to grasp haha um (laughs) But, but so yeah. it has a sense of re- refinement, uh, refinement to it. So, mm. um, and Earth is very cautious and uh, calm and laid back. And then they've also associated memory, memory, with that and thoroughness, defense. reason, doing things one step at a time, withstanding, keeping things the same, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, and you get fire, which is creativity intimidation uh attention to the you know, focusing your attention on things being motivated insights uh inciting emotions also noting things that aren't there kind of yeah fire is about imagination i think mm. more than anything um and fury <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's yeah. weird combinations passion. for me it's it's passion, it's, it's passion. passion as opposed to emotion i think when air comes to emotion, I feel it's more like you can sense emotions with air. You can mm-hmm. you can smell it on the breeze if you like. You can read the room. A very common saying in Japan, actually, read you read you literally read the atmosphere, right? And stuff like that. What's fire is about uh, expressing those emotions, getting other people to express those emotions, passion, creativity, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Water, which is why it gets very confused with air. Is also about flexibility in its own way. It's efficiency and flexibility, friendliness, having a wide overview, being aware of your environment. Yes, emotion mm. and just ad- adapting. Yeah. So I, I, I think a lot of people, the, the way, way air and water get confused is air is about evading and then striking, if you like, mm-hmm. in combat, I'm thinking. But this can apply to all sorts of other things. Water is about deflecting you know going with the flow so you're not mm-hmm. you're not you're not getting out of the way you are deflecting it away from you it's not quite the same but it is subtle water is yeah. also hard to grasp literally and figuratively. 
I find e- uh, void in general to be the easiest just because you slap that. It's weird. Mm. <laughs> it's supernatural. And therefore, it, it gets the void tag automatically. Yeah. Uh, which isn't quite fair. It also has these themes of uh, running on instinct and of sacrifice. Yeah. Um, it, it, but it's the high-level magic play one way or another so it doesn't have to be literally magic it's no. the ascending above yourself yeah yeah if you can you can imagine a, a, a if you can imagine a tagashi monk doing it a lot of the time it's void <laughs> <laughs> so the the idea is that the the game system suggests is that you have these different tasks or challenges mm. that you want your players to complete and then you use different um uh tns yeah. to help your for what the players accomplish but mm. the players in general at least i'm finding in my games are going to want to say i want to roll yeah. water plus i i want to, i want the big numbers as right. opposed <laughs> to this is how my character would approach this situation and so one of the suggestions that we've gotten discussing this through the, through the week is while the players will tend to be focused on what dice they want to roll mm. in order to solve the challenge, what has to happen is you have to have you, – you tell them what dice you want to roll. So basically you have to take all of the decision about what dice they – roll out of their hands, which the book is not clear at all on this. What you do Hmm. is you ask, you can say there's an obstacle or there's a challenge or there's something you want to do. You want to get this person to help you Hmm. or you want to um, cross this river or climb this mountain or do this thing. How how are you going to do it? And you have to, you can't, USGM, it's probably likely that you will come up with the one or two obvious ways to solve the problem, right? There's a river in front of you. That's the mm. challenge. There's a river in front of you. You want to get to the other side. That's that's the challenge. Yeah. The GM will come up with one or two approaches and come up with the target numbers and the rings and skills for those approaches. For example... You can swim across the fitness, the river using Earth Fitness. Yep. All right. Or you could convince the boatman to carry you across using uh, water. Your, your, your favorite courtesy. ring, water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a, as a, as that, and these have different challenges. Or you can come across the get across the river in some other way. Mm. But the goal is you want to try and. Maybe come up with one or two approaches at most yeah. um, for a challenge and come up with TNs for that. But, and those would be the most obvious approaches. And then let your players come up with the other approaches and put the honest on the players for the creativity. So you don't have to come up with every approach. You come up with the obvious ones that you would think of, like swim Mm. across the river. And then let your players come up with and then say basically you can do it another way yeah absolutely and that puts it on the players yeah and that gives them a lot of flexibility you have to be flexible as a gm and you need to be able to you know work out target numbers fairly quickly Mm -hmm. which i suspect is two is going to be your average i think most of the time if they come up with something and you don't have any particular reason to say that sounds hard or that sounds easy i think you just go with two but and put right. it down and think, oh no, that's that's actually quite easy. Oh yeah, we'll give you a one on that one. Or no, that's quite hard. But the key is is that the players don't tell you what they want to roll to cross the yep. river. The players tell you what they plan to do to cross the river, and you yep. tell them what ring and skill that would be to yes. do that. And the book makes that very vague, but that works a lot better at spreading things out than what I was thinking it was. (laughs) I have to say that was always my read of it is that the players narrate not, not in game terms, but in fictional terms, effective what their character is attempting. Mm -hmm. And then you go from that to say, it's going to be this ring 
this skill group, this skill, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And I, th- I think that's, that was always been my read of it, which is, I, I admit, quite different from most role-playing games that I've played. That's, not, that's kind of not the, the method. That's not quite the mindset. But I think this is an interesting one, which, which I think makes Alpha Var quite interesting to play mm-hmm. is that that is how it's meant to go you're meant to kind of suge- suggest this is how my character's going to approach it and then the gm comes with the game mechanic and says here's what you roll and obviously right. if these players get into it they can start uh well okay water's my really good ring so how am i going to make this a water challenge and then but they have to then get into what does water mean how mm-hmm. does that come into the fiction how does that get narrated and then into right and there can be you know, different consequences for using different approaches. But that that focus on the approach, like, if you got there, that's fine. In my groups, it was much more, I want to do, uh, you know, I want to accomplish the skill yeah. without necessarily coming up with specifically how. And yeah. it's it does get difficult when it gets down to fine detailed skills. And some mm. challenges... Quite a lot of challenges are impossible to use a certain skill combination. Right, you would have right. to come up with something really, really clever uh, in order to make uh, falling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, do something else falling. You know, with falling with a water charm approach is just not gonna. I will charm the ground into not hurting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the, in my in my old group is like I seduced the ladder was exactly that kind of encompasses that. Like, I've got this skill. I'm going to use it on everything. It's like, well, you need to climb out the well. There's a ladder. Uh, I'll seduce the ladder? No. You know, it's just... <laughs> I suppose it's slightly better than L5R but in, in 5th edition because here it's broad approaches rather than specific skills that get overused. And that's not terrible because you can imagine a particular individual, if someone's got high fire... They're always going to be rushing into things. That's kind of their character. That's why they've got high fire. They're always going to be rushing into things, doing everything with passion. They're like, um, But someone who has got high water, they're going to be charming. They're going to be more flexible. And that does kind of... But you want to get the players in, into it that way, as opposed to, I want to put my big numbers against the, the challenge and right. think in those ways. So... It's a little different than combat. In combat, mm. you do pick your stance. Yep. And and you pick your ring, and then what you actually do, it's always off uh, that ring. Is is dictated by the ring you picked first. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And even in social challenges that that are vague, it's it tends to be more. I pick my ring. I don't pick an exact argument. Like yeah, yeah, if yeah. we did this, if we did these general challenges the way you would do a social argument, you'd give a social argument, whatever it is, and mm. then the GM would consider it and decide what ring yeah, that yeah, yeah, argument yeah. applied to, which is not um, not how it works for doing these general challenges. So general challenges work differently than social interactions or um, I think it's it's they're, they're less in a way the broader and less detailed because you're not doing every like like if you're crossing a river you're not rolling for every single you know stroke of your your swimming you're you're saying i'm going to try and get across this river which might take you know in, in if you're doing it in combat terms it would take like five rounds to get across mm-hmm. so in that case you're kind of you're kind of squishing five rounds worth of stuff into one roll and so you kind of have to take a broader approach i think mm-hmm. I, mean, I think i think one yeah, one one of the suggestions I have always heard is make sure they understand your, your players understand that a getting a minus one on your target number is worth more than an extra kept dice. Yes. So is so if you've got this river challenge and someone's saying, "Well, I want to use water to get across it," and you say, "Well, you can, but that's going to be harder," and 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 if they take the time to study it and kind of hmm, what's the best way of getting across, and Earth is target number one and water is target number two. Though hopefully they, they can say, oh, wait, no, even though I'm one less in Earth, I'm still going to be better off using Earth because this is the right task for this. And, and that's certainly good for, like, the social challenges. Mm. What I would argue is that in these general challenges, 
where you use these general dice rolls, mm. they would never know what the other tar- other target numbers is. They wouldn't even know what to what actions they would take to do this as a water challenge unless gotcha. they come up with them on their own. Mm. So you give the most obvious one is there's a river in front of you. You can swim across with fitness, you know, yeah, a yeah, TN1 yeah. fitness earth check, or you can do something else. Feel free yeah, to present yeah, yeah. your other approaches. And mm. then they can think of what else it is that they want to do. You may have thought of a couple f- anyway, but you don't present the unobvious ones. Let them uh, mm. think about it. Like you may have mentioned there's a boatman down the stream that can give you a ride. Yeah. And they might think of that. I maybe I, I probably and, wouldn't have even – I probably wouldn't say – that. I would just stop at there's a river and describe mm-hmm. the river and then let them decide what happens next and then give them target numbers. But – GM's, GMing styles are different. Yeah. Well, sometimes you can do that. It's easy with a river. Uh, sometimes you can't. Sometimes that's just extremely difficult because you're in a moving situation. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a limited number of things you could do, and you can't have them waffle about what to do yeah, the whole yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to kind of steer them to the easy, straightforward one and then just give them the option to pull up pull up more it's all it all depends on your group too if you have people who make yes. snap decisions that's very different than mm. uh, groups that argue for a long time before <laughs> they cross the river what's the most efficient way well the most efficient way is just rolling and getting across the river because the river is just meant to but fine fine take another five minutes <laughs> i've been there i've been on both sides of that i can't i can't i can't throw any shade because i've i've been on the other side <laughs> of that <laughs> anyway so those are some thoughts to think about while you're doing general checks in yep. the role-playing game and how Elemental rings. And if you have any experience or any suggestions or any ideas of your own, please do let us know. So for the second part of our podcast, we wanted to talk about the Scorpion Clan. Indeed. The Scorpion Clan focuses overall, its primary themes are doing what other people are unwilling to do. Yep. So they you they serve the empire. empire. Uh, I'm sure they would contest greatly with you if you disagreed with them mm-hmm. on that. But uh, they do so by doing those things that the other clans are too honorable to do themselves. Yes. So they they basically think that it is wrong to put your personal honor ahead of what needs to be done. That's that's their right. thinking, and uh, this this causes them to gain engage in all kinds of sh- shenanigans mm-hmm. in order to accomplish their ends, and they've become very very good at shenanigan yep. having. Um, yep. They involve you know do not hesitate to very quietly and on the sly uh, do assassinations and. All kinds of sneaky stuff. Yep. Uh, spying, um, blackmail, discovering secrets about your opponents through all sorts of bad things and uh, getting hold of informants and just all, all, all the naughty things. Right. Now, that said, uh, they do it f- for the cause of the Empire. Um, however, I think it's worth saying that they're very good at it, and mm-hmm. when you have a problem and you have a hammer, which is your solution for figuring out how to solve your problems, everything starts looking like it is a problem that can be solved with the thing you are very good at. Absolutely. And so throughout Rokugan's history, they have been known many times to solve their personal clan problems in the same way that they solve the Empire's problems. And that, that has actually cause them problems from time to time. The main thing <laughs> is is that they would say that the the tenant of Bushido, because even even with all the thing was said, they follow Bushido in mm-hmm. their own way. But they would say that the tenant of Bushido that's the most important to them is duty and loyalty. And in fact they insist on and practice immediate obedience to your superiors no matter what. Because first off you're meant to be loyal and and do your duty but also because they are a clan of secrets very often the person telling you what to do just doesn't cannot afford to tell you why and they are assumed to have a good reason and to be working in the best interests of the clan and the best interests of the empire so you just do it 
Right. There is a very famous story from Kikita Ryoku, who is the old imperial advisor before Bayushi Kachiko became the imperial advisor. She wrote a novel, Winter, and in that novel, the champion of the Scorpion clan and the uh, and a number of champions of the other clans are having a meeting and get into an argument about whose followers, whose bushi, are the most loyal. And the scorpion says, well, let us have a challenge. We will each summon our Yojimbo in here and give them a single command. And if they follow that command, you will know that they are the most loyal. And I will demonstrate by going first. So he calls in his Yojimbo, and he says to his Yojimbo, kill me. At which point his Yojimbo draws his sword and kills his champion, and then immediately turns his blade on himself and kills himself. Mm -hmm. And the other clan champions agreed at that point that the scorpion probably won on the uh, loyalty. Yeah. At, at, at least in this in this fictional piece of fiction, which is my favorite thing, it's fictional fiction because it's a it's a novel that was written by Kikita Ryoku, and you do wonder if in fact the other clan champions looked around and went, well, Scorpion clan champions did, his Jimbo's did, yeah, no other witnesses, yeah, we won. Would you like more tea? <laughs> um, but <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just cynical. Their their belief in loyalty is so great that they have an extra special punishment for people who betray the clan. If if yeah. someone has done something worse than you are now Ronin, worse than now you Kitsipaku, and even worse than now we're just going to execute you ourselves in a very in a in a horrible way that should never happen to a samurai. No, no. They have something worse. And that is the right. Traitor's Grove. Right. In Traitor's Grove they will take a person who has betrayed the clan, tie them, and then execute them by driving a sword through them into a tree, which binds them to that tree. And their soul is stuck in the tree, being tortured for all eternity. They are mm. denied a being reborn, a cycle of life. It's considered a fate far, far worse than death. Yes, it is not a place you want to end up. It is gosh darn bad. The other thing about the scorpion that immediately springs to mind when you see them is that they all wear masks, which they claim is in fact a demonstration of their honesty, because in their opinion, everybody wears masks. It's just that they're upfront about it. They're upfront about the fact that they are hiding parts of themselves, whereas the crane who don't wear masks and, and appear to be open, you know, honest. They're all hiding their true feelings. They're all hiding their true motivation. But only the scorpion right. are honest enough to actually do this in front of everybody and say, yeah, we are hiding things from you. We are wearing masks. Right. So the scorpions very much have the cynical mind view that everybody lies. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that makes sense it also is very convenient because I, they do have to do a lot of lying and do have masks to help hide their feelings and and occasionally uh, hide their identity when in fact someone isn't the person they think you think they are they're just wearing the same mask um and uh, in many times i have to say as a gm sometimes the fact that they all wear masks is really annoying because you've got yeah, we're going to go to a scorpion town for a bit. And it's like, now I have to come up with like a hundred different scorpion masks. Like, well, there's certainly a wide range in masks. From full face masks that only show their eyes to nothing but face paint or a string of beads or something similar. Or popped collars, but we won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> Bayushi Ujiro is great. Yeah. Before we talk about who the... Uh, Scorpion R, we really need to talk about who the founding kami was. And this founding kami was Bayushi. Now, Bayushi was the twin of Shiba. And in the first tournament that the kami held to determine who the emperor was going to be, Bayushi was going to face uh, Shinjo, and sh he defeated Shinjo. And then between rounds, he... Faye, he was resting and he talked to this little old man who came up, we later would suspect is Shinsei. And Shinsei says, ah, let me tell you a story. And 
Aisha says, all right. Shinsei begins telling a story about a scorpion who comes to a river and meets a frog. And he tells the frog that he would like a ride across the river. And Bayushi goes, oh, I know this story. And Shinsei says, no, you don't. And Bayushi settles down. And then Shinsei says, the frog is suspicious of the scorpion and says, I can't carry you across because you will sting me and then we will die. And the scorpion says, oh, that can't happen because then won't I die too? And the frog decides that makes sense and starts swimming with the scorpion across on his back across the river. And then Bayushi pops up and says, yes, yes, I know this story. And Shinsei says, no, you don't. And then Bayushi settles down again and Bayushi... And Shinsei says, and then the scorpion stings the frog. And Bayushi says, yes, I know the story. And Shinsei says, no, you don't. And as the frog, and says, as the frog is going down into the water, he says, why do you do this to me? Now we will both die. And the scorpion looks down at the frog and says, I can swim. Then Shinsei turns to Bayushi and says, do you understand the meaning of this story? And Bayushi, who is very surprised, thinks about it and says, yes, yes, I do. At which point, Shinsei punches him in the face. And Bayushi said, why'd you do that? And Shinsei said, I could either punch your lies or punch your lying face. And therefore, I chose to punch your lying face. And he went on his way. At which point, Bayushi ties a cloth around his face to hide the fact that he has been punched in the face by the old man and goes on to fight in the tournament facing his brother Sheba, at which point he gives the match up and loses on purpose. And Sheba wins the match. Yep. At least according to the Scorpion. At least according to the Scorpion. But, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically... Shinsei was telling Bayushi that uh, he is strongest when everybody thinks he is weak mm. and that he is a liar. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and that is his nature. So that is that is why Scorpion wear masks. Mm -hmm. that, at least that was the first mask. That was the first mask, yeah. And the other story which which leads to how the scorpion becomes the scorpion is that I can't remember exactly where this comes within the, the first war and the day of thunder and all that kind of stuff. But Hante, after the tournament, Hante is now emperor and he has tasked the lion clan. He has tasked Okodo to be his right hand, you know, his military, his use of force. He has tasked Doji, the crane clan to be his left hand culture and, and art and politics. And he comes to Baishi and says, I need you to be essentially my underhand. I need you to do those things that Okodo's honor won't let Okodo do. And Doji's belief in politics and mutual help and courtesy, that will, you know, she can't do those things. I can't give that to Hida because Hida's not sophisticated enough. Even though he's strong, I can't give it to Shinjo because she is too compassionate. I can't give it to Sheba because Sheba is, you know, too focused on magic and the and and the the esoteric mysteries of the well, world. He's already sworn his loyalty to, and he's the already Isawa. sworn his sworn his loyalty to the, to the Isawa. I can't give it to. And K I don't quite trust Tadashi. No, I can't give it to Kigashi because I have no idea what Tadashi's up to. He's gone up this mountain. He was trying to stuff. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I can give this to, I need someone to do this and I need it to be you. And Bayushi realizes the sacrifice of this is going to be not only for him personally, you know, his reputation, his honor, what he has to do, but also for all his descendants, for his clan of followers. And he says, I will be your villain, Hunter, which is a, a mark of the sacrifice that the Scorpion clan have undertaken. They have undertaken to do all the dirty work, to be the villain, to be hated, to be mistrusted forever. But that right. is an important thing that somebody needs to do for the Empire. Someone needs to defend the Empire from the shadows and in the shadows because that is where there are threats that the Lion Clan can't fight 
that even the Crab Clan can't fight and the Phoenix Clan can't and no one else can. Somebody needs to be there in the shadows. I think it's important to remember that when he made that sacrifice, he knew that his clan would use these techniques for themselves because mm. all the clans use the techniques that they train in for themselves. Yep. And so I think, you know, I, I like to think that that was, was a very real sacrifice because he, he knew that they weren't just becoming the figurative villain to take the heat off Hante. They were going to become an actual villain in some ways, but they needed to, to do what they had to do for the empire. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so so the risk is not just I'm going to be your apparent villain. I'm going to do things that people are going to make me think that the Scorpion Clan are villains. The risk is we're going to actually become villains, and that was that's a thing they need to to guard against. So all of the clans had interaction then, you know, leading up to the Day of Thunder. And when you're talking about the Day of Thunder, you need to talk about Shoshoro. Mm-hmm. Shoshoro is uh, was the Scorpion Clan Thunder. Uh, she was, and we use she loosely here because mm. in some ways it's not actually known. She was a person that Bayushi encountered on his travels across the empire after he had received this mandate from Hante. And he was kind of dark about his mandate, Aye. and he didn't want to drag other people into it necessarily. But Shishiro decided that she had to follow him. She wanted to follow him. And when she went to him in the guise of a young boy who tried to follow him, he turned her away. And so he, she came back, this time as a geisha, and became acquainted with him. And then came back again as an old man. And he kept coming back under different guises. Mm. And then, in the end, revealed to him that she had been the same person all along, that, that he, she was all of those people. And this really startled and amazed um, Bayushi, and he allowed her to become his follower, and in time, become his lover. Um, he, there is question as to how she could do all of those things, change mm-hmm. form so many times, and it has been speculated that she might have had, even from the beginning, a link to the lying darkness, lying darkness, which is this force of unknown possibility yep. that fuels the shadow brands, fuels a lot of the dark magic, and his goal is the un- eventual uncreation of everything. However, um, a lot of the lying darkness uh, lore we don't know will carry over yep. into New 5R. I mean, we know the lying darkness, or at least something that looks very much like it, is part of it, and we know that the Shadowbrands exist, and we know that the Shadowbrands seem to do the same thing that lying darkness did, which is consume your identity. But whether Shosuro was actually made of lying darkness, or what, we do not care. Right. Yeah, so Shosuro became the Scorpion Clan Thunder, but Bayushi was really, really upset by this, and was like very much... No more people in my clan should die because of what's going on, because of this war. I don't want to shed any more of my clan's blood. So essentially... Well, his presumption always is, is yeah. that everybody lies. Yes. Including Shinsei. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and so it's like the, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of this very weird, you have to promise not to die as you go off on this horribly dangerous mission. And it's like, well, <laughs> I promised not to die then. To be fair, she kind of did. You know, follow that up. <laughs> well, so so in the end, she, Bayushi was not willing to let Shoshiro go, but she mm. left anyway and followed. And she, alone among the original Thunders, survived the Day of Thunder. Yep. And she was given the task of carrying the Black Scrolls that had been infused with the essence of Fulang, captured the essence of Fulang, and carrying them back to the Empire to be protected. Um, on the way back, she was badly hurt. She was traveling with Shinsei. She was badly hurt. It did not seem like she was going to survive. She was being chased by the first Oni. And she made a deal with the Lying Darkness to give her the strength to carry on uh, to the Empire in exchange for her identity. And so she made it. Um, and basically to 
all intents and purposes, in the eyes of the world, she died on the steps of Odesan Uchi giving the Black Scrolls to Bayushi. However, that wasn't the end of her story, because she did not only found the Shoshoro family in her no. honor. No, as, as with a lot of things we have to say about the Scorpion, the official story was that that was the end of Shasuro. But in fact, Shasuro changed identities and was now Soshi and founded the Soshi Shigenja family, also were the people who learned to use the Shadowbrand. So this is the only person, I think, who ends up founding two families. Right. So... Um... At the end of her life, she goes on, she develops more in with the lying darkness as well mm -hmm. as, you know, Shigenja abilities. Yeah. And in the end, when the corruption takes her over too far, um, she goes and encases herself in crystal or the dragon mm. encase her in crystal so that the lying darkness cannot spread. Yep. When she is gone, Bayushi is so grieved at the loss of his lover that he commits suicide by, or appears to commit suicide, mm. um, drowning himself within an underground uh, lake yep. underneath where Kaiden Bayushi is. Which has a lot of spiritual significance. And I think, I think had before, and now obviously has. A lot of this stuff we're not sure about how much of this has come through into FFG's version of, of Rock Again. Um, there's lots to find out, but we do know that the, the Scorpion at this point don't quite understand what they're messing with when it comes to Shadowbrands. They, they feel right. that it is a, a source of power that enables them to do really, really useful things. And in fact, enables them to, to do a lot of the classic movie ninja stuff, like disappearing into shadows and then coming in out from another bit of shadow and walking through walls and all, all sorts of really neat things. But they seem to be much more dangerous than I think they are aware. So that should be interesting right. going forwards. That's certainly a challenge that they have. Mm -hmm. um, the fourth family of the Scorpion is the Yogo family. Asawa Yogo was a phoenix, or at least a follower of Yogo. And a follower had... of Isawa. Uh, Isawa, sorry. Yeah. A follower of Isawa. And he is a person who did so much damage in the battles of against Fu Lang. Uh, to Fu Lang that he cursed him, that Fu Lang cursed Yogo to betray the one he loves most. And therefore, Yogo felt like he had to be driven from his family and his clan, whom he loved, uh, and was very angry and upset about this curse. And uh, he was going to commit uh, seppuku so that the curse would not spread. Yep. And Bayushi then came to him and said... You don't have to commit seppuku. You can come follow me instead. But no, and... no, I can't do that, for I will always betray the one I love the most. And so will all of my line. And then, At Bay which point, Bayushi said, you will never love me. And uh, he became his follower. Yep. I I'm not entirely so... sure whether the logic holds up, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the Yoko curse... Um, does still continue to this day. It impacts uh, members of the Yogo family and some members of other families. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that people marry out of the Yogo family because of the curse. Now, ideally, if you've got the curse, you get it all taken care of when you're a little kid and yep. you accidentally, you know, step on your puppy. But yeah, but if it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's an interesting thing where attempting to. Because the curse should only happen once. It should only it should only fire off once. And Yogo apparently are aware when their curse happens. This is at least so you know that's that's what we're told. So there are some people who they in fact their curse triggered very very early. And that okay great. But attempting to do this apparently makes it worse. Right. So that's an ongoing challenge. Who will, mm -hmm. who will betray the. Who will betray the scorpion? Who will betray the people they learn next? Yep. Now, because the scorpion have this role that they have, they end up in a lot of conflicts with other clans, as mm -hmm. one might expect, um, and have played significant roles weighing in on one side or another on conflicts between other clans throughout the history of the Empire. Yep. They also end up in conflicts because they are... Uh, always on the question of we are supposed to be fanatically loyal to 
our boss. Mm. But is our boss the empire or is our boss the emperor? Yes. And I'm... sometimes that equation shakes out in negative ways because if you yep. have a bad emperor and the scorpion are fanatically loyal to them, they can keep a bad emperor in a high place of power for a very long time. Yep. Or if they choose the empire, they can end up doing what they did when during the Gozoku period, which is when the scorpion, crane, and phoenix clans uh, ended up kind of shuffling the emperor out of power and taking all the reins of power for themselves to rule the empire themselves. So yes. that question of is it empire or emperor is an ongoing one for the scorpion in general and is in their current struggles too. Yeah, so it, it demonstrates that they can actually end up going really quite far off the rails is a bit of a problem. Um, I, I find that there is a, a there's a, a parallel here between the lion clan. We often see the the scorpion as the dark side or the dark mirror of the crane, because in the courts they're very they hold very similar positions, whereas the crane are all very nice and lovely. The scorpion are dark and blackmaily and, and nasty, but they have that similar loyalty thing to the lion, and they have what happens when you decide you are loyal to the emperor versus to the empire, and that's actually caused conflicts that have almost become civil wars. And it's happening right now, in fact, in other current fictions, which is very, very interesting. Right. Also, another challenge in the current fictions is that um, they are currently at running the empire. Mm. Shoju is regent. The champion of the Bayushi is the regent. Um, he has all of the reins of imperial power. The crane have been pushed almost entirely out of the courts. Um, and... Yeah, the scorpion are running the show. Yep. And that's not necessarily the place where the scorpion do their best work. <laughs> it isn't. And that's actually been a, a conflict they've been having for quite some little time, whereas Kachiko wants the scorpion to be obviously powerful in the limelight, running the show, flexing their muscles. Shoju, for a long time, has been saying, no, we need to get back into the shadows. We need to get people ignoring us and underestimating us and not seeing what we're doing. And the interesting thing is that now neither of them have what they want because Kachiko <laughs> has been sent off in disgrace off to um, Toshi, uh, Toshi Rambo to be, you know, into obscurity, whereas Shoju has been shoved into the spotlight, literally sitting on the Emerald Throne in front of everybody with the reins of power in his hand. But that is still an ongoing fault line within the Scorpion. Right. So that, that challenge about how they're going to control from the front, whether to recede, is another challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, the final one that they have is the, the fighting the corruption of Shadowbrands, which you've talked about. And that's, that's, that's kind of in the background at the moment, but that is lurking potentially to bite them on the behind. <laughs> now, we've got... Um, their relationships with other clans, the scorpion and the crab, mm -hmm. uh, historically it's characterized by a long-term nettling of the crab by the scorpion in many ways. They're mm -hmm. very different. The scorpion are very refined. The crab are not. not. <laughs> <laughs> they do assist each other sometimes. The scorpion have a secret police called the Kuro Iban uh, who stinks, sneaks, checks out sneaky ways that the Shadowlands might yep. Shadowlands impact and, the Empire. And Shadowlands and Bloodspeakers and Mahutsukai right. and all those kind of nasty people, yeah. And they can help the Kuni. Mm -hmm. But uh, right, and historically the Scorpion, Scorpion believe that everybody lies. That's yep. fundamental. Therefore, they believe that usually the crab are lying about the nature of the threat yep. that they face. And yep. the scale of it, and how much they need, and what supplies they want. It can't the be scorpion... that bad. That kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> right. The scorpion believe that everybody lies. The crab are perfectly capable of lying to get more than they mm. need. And so there's that instinctive, uh, you know, not understanding of the crab position, yeah. I guess. Um, the However, Shoju needs an ally. Yep, he needs does. as many allies as he can get. And the crab are really easy to buy because if you give the crab jade, the crab are happy. Yep. And so the you know right now they're doing okay in their relationship together because Shoju is 
planning yep. on giving the crab jade. The scorpion and the crane have been rivals in the courts basically as so long as there have been enough people for there to be a court, I think, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, as I said, they kind of they got opposite approaches, whereas the, the crane are all, let's all be friendly. Let's you know swap ideas and swap cultures and swap favors and, and just all be friends. It'll be great. Whereas the cra- the scorpion are rather more, we will control you. We will do. We'll get blackmail on you. We'll find out your secrets. We will do things for you, but then you will owe us. And then whenever we call, you must pay back your favor, even if it takes many many generations. So that's kind of been their relationship with the crane forever. They don't tend to fight much on the battlefield. But in the courts, yeah, the, the knives are out, sometimes quite literally. Now, right now, it's complicated between the clans because there has been an ongoing relationship between Hotaru, who is the champion of the crane, and Bayushi mm-hmm. Kachiko, who is the wife of the champion of the scorpion. Yep. Um, and those, both Kachiko's brother, Hamitsu, and uh, Doji Kuanan and Kikita Yoshi have now found out about this relationship um, showed you the champion always knew, mm-hmm. and but those people think that it's the relationship is a very very bad thing for yep. their own clan, and therefore are taking extreme measures to cause that to end or the pres- person to be in position of power no longer. Yep. So yep. that is a cause of the Crane Civil War, and also Hametsu is specifically inciting the Crane Civil War to end the relationship between Hataru and Kachiko. Yeah, which may end up getting him nailed to a tree at some point. The, he, what he's, he could be seeing as being being very disloyal to his clan as a whole. Uh, Scorpion and Dragon have an interesting relationship. Uh, the Dragon are pretty much the only people who ally with the Scorpion on a regular basis. Somewhere between the Scorpion know Togashi's true nature, because at one point... A, a, an operative was sent in to discover what was going on and she ended up marrying Tagashi. We don't know whether Tagashi's true nature is the same in FFG's version. So this may all be a little weird because in AEG... But we do know, we do know that Tagashi has a son in mm, FFG's version. Yes. So the child of that union... Yes, was with, with the Scorpion. It's likely the lady. same. <laughs> yes, uh, but Tagashi at that point had been not dying for a long, long time and only the Scorpion clan champion knew about this. Whether that's a situation this time around, we don't know. But that was the thing that the Scorpion knew about the dragon. The dragon seemed to be much more comfortable with the Scorpion's idiosyncratic way of viewing Bushido. And also, the dragon often do things for very odd reasons. And so they have always been slightly more friendly to the Scorpion than anybody else. Right. They... Even if the Scorpion are in trouble because they have done something that really angers the other clans uh, in their role as villain, either for the Empire Mm. or because of their own nature, the dragon are more able to take a very long-term perspective on it, very removed perspective, and come to their aid for mysterious reasons of that. Now, the Scorpion and the Lion, however... Really never get along. <laughs> yeah, oddly. <laughs> the, the lion are very rigid, and uh, even though they can have compatible goals, they will never be you know close allies. Mm-hmm. Um, the scorpion did once uh, come to the aid of the doji in a battle with the lion and managed to kill so many people within a single hour. Uh, kill so many lion bushi within a single hour that they changed the name of the hour of the day from the hour of the wolf to the hour of the dog. Yeah. So that uh, no one ever needs to speak of that incident again. Yeah. Which is the scorpion the phoenix clash. The it's a clash of honor, which is not normally a phoenix thing, but the scorpion are particularly not honorable. So you can see why the phoenix don't necessarily get on with them. It is also the phoenix a, are honorable. The phoenix no, but are it, honorable. it's not their main thing like it is with the lion. It's not their kind of <laughs> big thing. But yeah, the 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 scorpion are sufficiently not honorable that the phoenix kind of go, no, 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 we're not, no, we're not doing that. 
But the other interesting thing, the relation between the two of them, is that the Scorpion originally had the ownership of the 12 black scrolls that held the essence of Fuleng, which is what Shosuro managed to get back from the Day of Thunder. But half of them have ended up in the possession of the Phoenix, because the Phoenix, I believe, managed to uh, suborn someone in the Yogo to get hold of them. And um, That person is now in a tree. He's now in a tree. And I'm sure absolutely nothing bad will happen because of that. <laughs> the scorpion and the unicorn, when the unicorn returned, in, in general, they have a, you know, hands off of each other kind of relationship because mm. the scorpion find the gaijin ways of the unicorn rather uh, unamenable to their normal shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. However... Um, when the unicorn first returned, the scorpion were in a position of quite a lot of power and were interested in trying to return to the shadows. And so what they chose to do was they chose to fight the unicorn's at return and throw all their force at the unicorn and get utterly crushed. Yep. And this helped in several ways. They managed to go back to the shadows because obviously they weren't weak enough to make a dent on these new coming unicorns and, mm -hmm. and get them out of the highlights. And also, it made the lion more willing, not that the lion were greatly willing, but no. more willing to accept the unicorn as invaders because anything the scorpion opposed yep. obviously couldn't be that bad yeah yeah essentially it's like oh my god the they're the, the horrible you know, they're foreigners and they've got these weird clothes and they smell weird and they eat the wrong things but they did kill an awful lot of scorpion well they can't be all that right. bad then <laughs> that's that's how it works right so that's kind of the scorpion with all the other clans we didn't yep. have enough time to talk about shinobi today because we have rambled on for far too long and talking about shinobi that is going to be quite a topic i feel <laughs> right but uh we should give a call out to our sister podcast the lcg side you mm -hmm. can find us uh on you know wherever you find your podcast hopefully yep. and our sister podcasts are not in our same channel but they're out there for us and also, you can join the Patriot Discord and get all kinds of goodies during the monthly drawings. And you can also find us on the Discord and on Twitter, and we'll have links to those in the show notes. But for now, this is Kakita Kaori signing off for this week. May the fortunes favor you. And I've been Korva, and until we meet again, keep your jade handy.